What's the latest research going on regarding information security? Hello, I'm Eric Trabro of Information Security Media Group. And to answer that question, I'm pleased to be joined by research scientist Paul Royal, who's Associate Director of the Georgia Tech Information Security Center. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Eric. Great to be here. The Georgia Institute of Technology has just issued its Emerging Cyber Threats Report for 2014 and addresses some of the critical IT security challenges organizations face. There's a lot of fascinating cybersecurity research going on at Georgia Tech that address those challenges. Let's talk about several of those research projects. One that caught my attention is known as cloud capsules. What are cloud capsules and why are they needed? Well, I'll actually start by providing some motivating background to the why. What we've seen as a development within the, the, the mobile spaces that intersects with enterprise is obviously BYOD, and that is effectively dissolving the network perimeter. And BYOD is bring your own device. Bring your own device, which really means use your, the device that you bring for various work-related purposes, uh, which means inevitably work data is going to be placed onto that device. And then depending on what cloud services you integrate on your device, that data that has been placed on the device will in turn end up in the cloud. So obviously we wanted to protect this data, and one idea we had was, as it is characterized, cloud capsule, which is basically a way of entering what we characterize as a secure mode uh, on a mobile device, and then uh, being able to place data into a cloud service that is sort of transparently encrypted. In sort of a three-way intersection, needing to secure data in the cloud with the security of a device whose physical physical disposition may, may have a certain a certain unknown provenance to it because they, they can be relatively easily lost or stolen, and usability because no security solution is going to, to have any level of adoption if it isn't usable by a group of users. The idea is that within mobile operating systems, and mobile operating systems are a little bit different than desktop operating systems because they were designed in an era after people had begun to think about security, which means that we can consider security in the design of an operating system, and instead of putting it on after the fact, we can include it from the ground up. So mobile operating systems, among other things, or at least a subset of them, have good process isolation. And so we, we want to take that isolation a step further, which of course means providing some level of, of transparent protection. And in this case, that protection is encryption, going into a secure mode and saying, hey, I'd like to, to make these files available to me from, from various end-user devices, etc. And then when you, when you place them into that, that folder, they are seamlessly or transparently encrypted. And then, of course, when, when you retrieve them from the cloud, they are, are decrypted. So, so the encryption is, is occurring on the cloud or device or both? It's occurring on the device prior to uh, delivery of that data into the cloud. By the time the data hits the cloud service, it is encrypted. I think it's important to differentiate where the encryption occurs because if, if the encryption occurs at the cloud service provider level, uh, there's obviously two risks. Uh, one of them is to, for example, criminals who would, who would break into the, the cloud service to compromise or, or to obtain the data. And obviously, the second issue is, is a concern about a sovereign government relative to its authority over, over a given business to, to basically request the keys used by a cloud provider to encrypt data. And for, for those reasons, we feel that it's best that the encryption occur before the data leaves the device and goes into the cloud at the device level. They would download an, an app, right? And then through that app, they would basically the, the app would represent Cloud Capsule. And then through that app, they would be able to, uh, to put data into the cloud and retrieve it from the cloud. Is this working already? This mm -hmm. We have a version for iOS, and uh, you, can, you can request a copy of it. You can make it available for other platforms? 
Yes, that, that is our intention. Different platforms obviously have different features with respect to our ability to, to use those features to secure a device. Additional work would obviously be needed. In some cases, for example, if we're to release a desktop version of Cloud Capsule, we could probably make stronger security guarantees because one advantage we have on the desktop is it's relatively mature and ubiquitous virtualization. So in, in this case, instead of process isolation, we can use, for example, the hypervisor to increase isolation to protect that data. Yeah, talking about searching for information on the cloud, I guess this is where the report points out encryption can secure data stored on the online service, but focusing on security alone can rob the company of much of the ability to use the data. I want to discuss a little about the research you're conducting to narrow that trade-off between security functionality and efficiency regarding search. Well, yeah, that's, that's an important segue into what we were just discussing. If you encrypt the data, traditionally, by in encrypting it, you were unable to search over the resulting encrypted data. For some people, that's, that's not acceptable. So in short, there is a desire to be able to, to, to varying degrees, to index data, to perform basic keyword search over that data, and to sort that data, even if it's encrypted. There are some, some cryptographers at, at Georgia Tech, and specifically those affiliated with the Georgia Tech Information Security Center, that have come up with algorithms whereby the data, even in encrypted form, has uh, certain properties that, that permit basic keyword search. This isn't, for example, the addition of metadata, of plain text metadata. This is actually being able to search over encrypted data. And effectively, what that means is that when you search, your criteria is likewise encrypted, and the encrypted representation of, say, your basic keyword search is used over that data. And the, the encryption algorithm was designed in a way such that that search is possible. Would this be all encrypted data in the database or certain types of data? Well, certain types and within certain limitations. Uh, obviously, there are going to be trade-offs between the functionalities offered, the security offered, and the efficiency. So that probably forms something something of a triangle, where if you, if you get more of one, you have less of the other two, or perhaps more of two and less of one. Is there a term used for this, encrypted search? Sometimes we refer to it as, as searchable encryption. There are stronger ways of representing it, or at least there are other types like order-preserving encryption. What is that? The ability to order the data has been preserved after it has been encrypted. And unfortunately, that definitely comes at the cost of some security because the, the, the more the encrypted data is capable of revealing as, as the result of the functionalities or the, the utility of it, the, the utility that it possesses in encrypted form, obviously the, the more it may reveal to a, an adversary who has stolen that data. So the cryptography that you're using or the algorithms that you're developing for this searchable encryption would have to correspond with, with the encrypted data itself. In other words, when you encrypt the data that's being searched, there's some tags. So this, when, when a search engine, encrypted search engine is used, it, it could be available to be screened? Yeah, you, you can think of it basically as sort of an integrated, again, you know, the, the, the traditional way of searching over, or searching encrypted data is to apply unencrypted metadata, and that's not what we're doing here. Sort of, we're integrating the, basically the preservation of certain properties of the original data within the encrypted data so that you can take advantage of those properties, for example, to do keyword search without revealing the contents of the encrypted data to someone who may have uh, acquired that data without authorization. So once something is identified, how do people see it? Let's say they do a basic keyword search, right? The keyword would be encrypted. The encrypted keyword would be searched over the data. The result set would be a set of encrypted data. That encrypted data would be served to an end device. Once it hits the end device, the encrypted data is decrypted and the user sees the plain text representation of the results. And what's the status of this? The design of many of these algorithms are actually complete and a subset of it that have already been published in academic conferences.
Do you see this as a commercial product? There have been tech transfer efforts at Twitch Tech in the past, and there is some interest from industry. But obviously, by publishing on it, we hope that those who need it will adopt it. Finally, I want to talk about today, uh, one of the problems with securing the supply chain is determining whether each piece of equipment linked to the network isn't manipulated along the, the chain to open systems to vulnerabilities. So that would be just, it would just be too time consuming to go over each piece and to see whether there's vulnerabilities there or not. Tell us about the research your scientists are pursuing, well, I guess you call it fingerprinting and profiling devices on the network using the traffic that moves to and from the devices as a way to vet these devices' security? Well, yeah, as it pertains to interactions on the network, devices will behave differently. In many cases, it can be difficult to successfully forge or fabricate all behaviors of a device that you're pretending to be. And, you know, so concisely, if you look on the network, a device will announce itself as a thermostat, but may actually be a laptop. But that laptop may not have all the properties, so the responses with the expected timings and so forth of a thermostat. Uh, and those can be telltale signs that, in fact, something is wrong, that there is an issue. Uh, for example, within a network relative to the devices that claim to be on that network. Is, is, is it limited to just what one uh, type of device mimicking another? There's obviously also devices, for example, I mean, there, there's the potential for things like hardware rootkits. It's very costly to actually examine say, every integrated circuit or, or what have you on a, on a given piece of electronics. Heuristics, uh, for example, as simple as, uh, as power draw can be a telltale sign. Maybe this device is, is a genuine article, but something has been added to it. And what has been added has, unfortunately, me or unfortunately for the adversary, but good for the defender, a measurable side effect. Where is the status of this research? This research is ongoing, obviously because supply chain integrity continues to be, be a concern. There are many open problems still within the space. For example, if you, if you use a supplier that something that is, is compromised physically, for example, may come into your door, and that's to be diligent in your monitoring. If, for example, you have a networking switch that has in some way been compromised, monitor the network behavior of that switch to see if at some point it's going to exhibit behavior that's not expected or that is an indicator of compromise. Thanks, Paul. Well, thank you, Eric. I've been speaking with Paul Royal of Georgia Tech for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.